Good morning, Jesters. Good morning, Jestettes. Good morning, Jesterians are shape, size, and motherfucking color. Hey, what's up, buddies? Good morning, Mr. Pickle. I hope you're winning the fucking day. I miss you. I love you. And all you Jesterians and Jesters and Jestettes, I love y'all motherfuckers too. I can't miss you because I don't know you. Then again, I don't really know Mr. Pickle anymore either. But that's something we got to work on. We got to get back together with him. We got to bring him into the fold, so to speak. <laughs> oh, let's, let's not go there because this is not about this. It's about. Fuck yeah, man. What a great fucking day to be alive, man. The sun is not shining. The raindrops are falling. But it's a fucking pleasant goddamn day. It's a nice goddamn day. Because, mm, excuse me. No negativity is going to pervade my lifestyle. Damn. I'm fucking burping and shit. But it's okay. Because now, again with that fucking now. Let's, uh, let's see what, uh, the UFC has the, in Wah, wah, wah. Hey, what's up? What's poppin', yo? Let's see what the fucking UFC is up to doing today. Word? Fuck yeah. Rate, subscribe, and share. Yay! There was a time early in the pandemic when you'd hear people say, at least the virus isn't spreading fast in India yet because the population is so dense. I never heard anybody dense, say that. that. Really bad. <laughs> that is happening now, and it is indeed very bad. India broke its own record on Friday. It reported 386,000 new coronavirus cases in a day. The number of deaths is considered unreliable, but we know it's a lot. Crematoriums are so overloaded that crews in Delhi are converting a crematorium meant for dogs into one for people. The uh, NPR. They they said, now we know the numbers are unreliable, but we know it's a lot. The fuck you do? You don't know shit, Chuck. You just sitting in your cushy motherfucking office, just making shit up and saying, oh, it's horrible over there. We gotta fuck them bastards. No, 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 no. We gotta save them bastards so we can fuck them later. Fuck you, dudes. Come on. The correspondent, Lauren Freyer, is with us this morning from Mumbai. Lauren, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So as we keep saying, the situation in India just keeps getting worse. Just describe to us the problem at this point. How bad is it? Yeah, I mean, just staggering case numbers, more and more every day, and deaths, almost certainly an undercount, because whole towns here have virtually run out of test kits. People are dying at home, unable to get care. We're still seeing severe shortages of ICU beds, medical oxygen, antiviral drugs, crematoriums are overwhelmed, and social media has become this just flood of desperate pleas. Let me just play you an example. This is a young woman named Lavanya Sharma in Delhi, and she posted this clip of herself on Twitter. Both my parents are COVID positive, and my mother urgently needs a ventilator. Both no my babies are COVID positive. You can There's hear the desperation not, in her voice, nothing. and strangers what? come to one another's rescues on social media. COVID-19 virus does not fucking affect the goddamn young and healthy. Don't let these motherfuckers lie to you. They are fucking just keep lying to you, man. Come on. Now we're just going to laugh at this goddamn bitch because she's being stupid. 
put on a goddamn show. That's all this fucker is. Give me money because my my kids have COVID. Now, fuck you, cunt. Lavanya posted an update afterwards saying she actually got an ambulance for her mom. But it shows oh, the breakdown of the health system here. And that is why the U.S. State Department is now telling Americans to leave India as soon as they can. India is actually one of the largest producers of COVID-19 vaccines, though, right? So how's their own vaccination campaign going? Yeah, um, about 10% of people here have had one dose. Less than 2% of the population have gotten both. Vaccine centers where I am here in Mumbai just shut down today abruptly for zero lack of cents, supply. Zero Theoretically, tomorrow, to eligibility is supposed to open up to anyone over 18, but so many states have already said they don't have vaccines. And this is a big embarrassment for India because, as you said, it's the world's biggest vaccine maker. India had been exporting vaccines. Now now it's importing them. Um, the first batch of Russia's Sputnik vaccines is supposed to arrive tomorrow. Hmm. So the U.S. And, and other countries are sending aid in the form of oxygen, PPE, and raw materials to help make vaccines. Is that enough? I mean, it's a massive relief effort, but the challenge is speeding all of that aid to the neediest patients. And India has supply chain problems. I mean, the tanker trucks haven't been communicating well with the oxygen warehouses, local governments. I mean, people are getting sick everywhere. They're lacking staff and coordination. India is notorious, though, for spending show. less on public health than most other countries. And so we're seeing the problems. The and every morning, we hear of dozens of patients dying anyway. in hospitals. They managed they to get hospital beds, and they're dying anyway. because their oxygen is running it's out there. While oxygen is arriving in, in the airport We all got to die Sometime. Is the population locked down there, Lauren? We are. Um, I'm under lockdown here in Mumbai. Um, it's really strict. You're not allowed day. to even go out for a jog. But Jeez. it's a state-by-state state issue. Um, so Prime Minister Narendra Modi was 10 days ago holding election rallies in parts of the countries that were not under lockdown. Now we're seeing spikes of infections there. Um, the government's Man, reasoning for not imposing a nationwide lockdown is that, that lockdowns are painful. The economy shrank like 24% last spring <laughs> under lockdown. And so it's really fucking numbers everybody's saying follow the science follow the fucking science jesus look at the fucking numbers hey jesterians if y'all have the cash app and want to help support the show directly our cash app handle is the promoting jester we'd appreciate y'all very much be safe and make your decisions well Israelis were just starting to turn the corner from the coronavirus pandemic, getting back to normal life. And then they awakened today to news of a horrible accident. Crowds gathered for a Jewish religious festival in northern Israel, and something panicked the crowd. In the stampede, at least 44 people died. NPR's Daniel Estrin is with us from Jerusalem. Daniel, this happened late last night in Israel. What details can you share at this point? Well, it happened on an annual Jewish holiday, Lag Omer. This is when ultra-Orthodox Jews come in enormous numbers to the tomb of a revered rabbi and mystic from the second century. This is in the Galilee, in the mountains of northern Israel. So we're talking about a huge complex with stairs and walkways uh, leading to areas where there are big bonfires. The local media are estimating about 100,000 people there last night. And what happened was there were enormous crowds squeezed into one passageway, um, one eyewitness who spoke from his hospital bed on local television said that around 
around 1 a.m. Crowds were pushing into each other, trying to get through. People were getting hot. The floor was getting slippery. And then suddenly dozens of people just collapsed into each other, um, fell on the ground. And, and then more people collapsed onto them. He found himself in a pile of people screaming, people reciting a Jewish prayer that's traditionally recited before one's death. Um, this eyewitness said it took a long time for for police and paramedics at the site to just untangle the piles of people and uh, it's being described as Israel's biggest mass casualty civilian de- well let's uh, let's unpack that for a little bit I mean it is surprising like I, I'm 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 surprised that their God allowed that to happen because they're there to worship their God. How could they? How could their God let all these people that are there to praise Him just die? I mean, that's that's so odd. Why? Why? <laughs> that was all sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> oh Jesus! Just religion causes more deaths. Headline news. Go get the fuck out of here. Disaster, not counting wars. How was it that so many people were allowed to gather? I mean, I know Israel is is doing better on the pandemic front, but still. Right. Yeah, I mean, many? that is the big question being asked here. <laughs> big crowds were expected. Tell me why so many people were allowed to do what they want. That is fucking wrong. We need to stop that shit. People should not have the power to do whatever they want. They want to go praise some some. Imaginary man in the sky. No, goddammit, they can't. <laughs> they they can't do what they want. We They have to do what they're told. Well, fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. It's the largest annual public event in Israel, where hundreds of thousands usually attend over the course of a couple days. What happened was that people were not allowed to attend last year because of the pandemic. This year, after the vaccination campaign and the low infections, the event was allowed to happen. It was going to be the first mass gathering in Israel since the pandemic. But the focus this year was on COVID safety. So police were limiting the number of bonfires, not limiting the number of people who could attend each bonfire, um, figuring out how to get in only the vaccinated or people who took COVID tests but apparently there was just so much excitement about this event that didn't take place last year and because the event this year was one day instead of two days that may have been what led to these crowds happening at this more limited event so there is still a lot of finger pointing this morning um an investigation has been ordered up looking at whether police failed here a lot of questions too i imagine from people it just it hasn't happened that long ago so i imagine people are trying to contact their loved ones yeah this is i mean people are looking for answers and first of all there have been safety concerns at this big annual event for a long time but it feels like we're still in this chaotic situation i mean overnight kids at the site were lost trying to match parents with kids the cell phone service was not working this morning authorities still trying to identify bodies NPR's Daniel Estrin reporting from Jerusalem. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, Rachel. There was a pretty remarkable moment on Wednesday night. President Biden entered the House chamber and spoke to the women behind him. Oh, that was so remarkable he was able to walk. Madam Vice President. Fuck this dude. No president has ever said those words 
From this podium, no president has ever said those words. No president has ever time. run the laziest yeah, the campaign and, and got the, the most votes the ever, ever in history. Joint session of Congress, and this is the no first time ever both of either. those offices are held by women. <laughs> Kamala Harris is the first female vice president, the number two of a man who was himself vice president once upon a time. So what has her role been in these first hundred days? NPR White House correspondent Aisha Roscoe is with Tell us. Me. Hi, Aisha. Tell me. Good morning. All right, I'm going to quote John Nance Gardner. Guess oh, why not? Do. Um, he was FDR's f- former vice president, and he said that the vice presidency, quote, wasn't worth a warm bucket of spit. How one agree. does in the job depends a lot on how much space <laughs> the vice president They have no has influence. Given, right? They have no how power. How much space does she have? How is Harris defining <laughs> it's, her it's role? It's kind of a... Uh, She's really embraced and celebrated the historic nature of her position. Harris and her supporters say she's expanding the view of what normal looks like. But uh, as John Nance Garner said, it is a complicated role because. Maybe, maybe I'm just ignorant and I don't know. But what role in government other than uh, just in case does the vice president play is it is, is the head of the, the head of one of the houses i don't i don't fucking know service class was the longest time ago but she doesn't have any real influence or power but she's going to so what is that what is the new the, the new, new ugh, fucking stuttering bastard the new normal is going to be her Taking control of some some shit, more government control. Come on, come on, just tell me. Uh, you're not the number one. You're the number two, and part you of the are, job for a <laughs> vice president is to not you outshine are the, number the president. Two. Uh, so Harris hasn't done a lot of attention grabbing things yet two. in her job. But Biden and That's Harris funny. have made clear that they number are partners. Two. Here's Harris in an interview with CNN earlier oh, this shit. week. He and I are in almost every meeting together. Um, Have made almost every decision together. I'm not going to talk about our private conversations, of course, but I can tell you that um, it is often the case that as I will ask his opinion about things, he will ask my opinion. And the spotlight is much more on Harris than a typical vice president because of her identity, of course, but also because of Biden's age and questions about whether he'll run again. And of course, not only is Kamala Harris a woman, she's also a person of color. How is she using her role to talk about race? Uh, her words carry a lot of weight. Uh, she obviously has a lived Why? experience, Why? but she hasn't been the White House spokesperson on race. The the White House is trying to talk about, uh, you know, weaving equity into every policy and action. I, I spoke to Glenda Carr, who is president of Higher Heights for America Pact, which is focused on getting progressive black women elected. Uh, she dismissed the idea from some critics that Harris may not be impacting policy. Here's some more of what she had to say. People are discounting the the significance and the leverage and influence she can have being the first and last person in the room to help shape President Biden's thoughts on budget policies and um, policy innovations. Carr said she believes that Harris is at her best when she's out meeting with people and that she will be a big asset to the Biden administration when she can do more of that. I mean, specifically, she's been <laughs> given mean, a responsibility when, for a when, tough uh, working with Mexico and the North. Is Harris married? Because if she's married, does that mean when her husband is fucking her, 
He's taking a number two. <laughs> He's taking the number two. <laughs> that, was, that needed some work, but it, it's on its way. <laughs> Triangle countries in Central America to talk about migration. How has she managed that? She's tasked with the root causes of the surge of migration. Not even her husband, anybody, anybody that. The White House has stressed that she's not in charge woman of the of border, morals. but that's a nuanced point that might be difficult to convey to the general public that she's just over the diplomacy. All right, NPR White House correspondent Aisha Roscoe with a look at Kamala Harris's first 100 days in office. Thanks, Aisha. Thank you. And that is up first for this Friday, April 30th. I'm Rachel Martin. And I'm that is the UFC first for Friday, by- April 30th. Man, what the fuck was that bullshit? That was just a bunch of horse shit. They didn't have any real news, so they're just giving you bullshit? Come on. Let me see if I can remember what the fucking stories were about. The first one was, uh... Shit. <laughs> it was, dude. <clears throat> was that the India, the coronavirus in India? That, yeah, man. That's bullshit. Well, it, it may be spreading, but it's a goddamn cold. Who? It's gonna kill the old. Not that that's a, a, a good thing, but I, I, I. <sighs> It doesn't need to be made such a big... If you're fucking vulnerable, take the goddamn proper precautions. That's really fucking all you have to do. Mr. Louis J. Gomez be tweeting and be fucking on my podcast. <laughs> but it's okay. It's because... It's only because I'm very low budget. <laughs> I don't I don't hold you accountable, Mr. Gomez. Mr. Louis J. Gomez... Puerto Rican rattlesnake, the common denominator. But, uh, fuck yeah, man. Just live your life. Don't let these motherfuckers lie to you and just ruin your mood. That, that's what they want to do. They want to scare you so you're easily fucking controlled. They're working right hand in hand with fucking Dementia Joe. I... I can't promise you, but I would imagine, I would imagine that that's not too far from the truth at all, man. What sucks is that I just got the last of this bud from my dude, and mm-hmm, this was some good bud, like good fucking smoke. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, Jesus, I'm high as shit. Why am I trying to let roll another one? <laughs> because I still have more of a show to do, that's why. Don't you fucking know? Shut up, dude. I'm trying to do a show here. I don't need you button in. Fuck out of here with that nonsense. Hey! Be nice. Rate, subscribe, and share. Yay! The thing with NPR is the mainstream view that they propagate, they do their best to keep at all costs. Like like branding legitimate info as fake news, 
um, just and calling up question, you know, questioning, even if it's, I'm sure, uh, they just throw shade on, on this shit, so nobody will fucking believe it. Like Alex fucking Jones, he is right a hell of a lot more than he's wrong. That that dude is fucking smart as fuck. Now, I may not agree with his lifestyle, but or but he like he's a smart dude. Like I understand how insane his life would be being as intelligent as he is. But but they they shut people like that down. The the dissenting voice, the the contrary opinion. They shut people like that down. That's what this fucking cancel culture is, man. <sighs> Independent fact checkers who are, in my opinion, like on Facebook, the independent fact checkers, this appears to be da 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 They are the beginning of the Ministry of Truth. If you ever read 1984, I recommend it. Because that's what's fucking coming. You're going to all be under fucking surveillance. This goddamn phone is the fucking box that they be looking at you through, man. Read 1984 and you will see what the fuck I'm talking about. The Ministry of Truth, where they rewrite the news. They're always at war with somebody. Always at war with somebody. I mean, it's it's a good fucking book. I recommend it 100%. George Orwell's 1984. It is time for... Space weather. So let's see what space. <laughs> Every fucking time. Every. Let's see what space weather is going to be for Friday, April thirtieth. Good morning, Mr. Ben. Are you looking for smoking deals on smoking accessories? Check out 42 Degrees and Sunny at 50 Chautauqua Avenue in Lakewood, New York. Or at 42DegreesAndSunny.com, where they're always open. Enter the code SWED at checkout to get 10% off your order, either in the store or on the site. Remember, that's 42DegreesAndSunny.com. How can we brighten your day? Now let's get back to the show. morning folks and good news as you can see here there is a full recovery of the sdo satellite and it turns out it was just a slew to capture the middle corona and conduct some secondary operations for the parker probe you can read about it at their website meanwhile we're staring down a massive coronal hole we've got some key updates today but we're starting here because although space weather appears quiet it will not be that way at earth for long Overnight in the solar wind, we took the flip, the phi angle in blue, and it is causing a slight excitement to the field. And when the coronal whole stream solar wind impacts in the next day or two, we should expect minor geomagnetic storms. Let's get our eye candy out of the way here from Hubble. Scientists' impression of the dynamics around a young planet that is just about done forming. Interesting to see the polar cusp interactions leading into the auroras, like they took a page right out of plasma cosmology or the electric universe, and keeping that interaction in mind. Let's go to the same form of interaction between a planet and its star. Through those same connections at the polar cusps, which integrate with the star's magnetic field, the planet is inducing eruptions and transient brightenings from the star. 
We have an entire playlist about those planet-star interactions, which can be found by clicking our name and looking for the playlist called The Planets and the Sun. Up next is a critical one that leads us into our ending lesson for the day. Mammalian brain size and apparent intelligence not only does not follow body size, but it comes and jumps right after catastrophes. This makes sense when you realize that the biggest animals are in the most trouble in the disaster, and it probably takes a good bit of intelligence to survive. Speaking of surviving the disaster, the next one is on its way, and that's why I didn't share these two magnetic excursion papers from the EGU meeting. But here at the last day of that meeting, let me explain a bit more. Both of these works are describing important items related to magnetic events on Earth, but both incorrectly say the last two excursions on Earth were Lachamp and Mono Lake in the 40,000 and 30,000 years ago range. Problem is... Those were not the two last excursions. In the Field Setting Literature Review of 2019, they highlighted the horrible effects of the actual last one, Gothenburg, about 12 or 13,000 years ago. In their tracking of biosphere die-offs, they find peaks at the 12,000-year cycle, and even when the official next-to-last Lake Mungo 24,000 years ago is left off the list, you can see there should be something else in the middle. The problem is that these are hard to see in some parts of the world. Pick your spot and you might see Le Champ and the 18,000 years ago half-cycle event Helenopoli, while Mono Lake seems to be less apparent. Lake Mungo is not only a solid event, but with its matching the last glacial maximum, it hits the cold trigger more than any other excursion. Sometimes the data is so difficult that Mono Lake and Lake Mungo actually get confused or combined into one event. Regardless, I've merely shown a handful of the literally hundreds of papers on Gothenburg and Lake Mungo, and those were the last two cycle events. Here is a look at both the 12,000-year cycle and the 6,000-year half-cycle events. The half-cycles oscillate between magnetic minima and maxima, unlike the 12,000-year cycle, which are all minima excursions. All of them bring cold events, all bring biosphere stress, volcanoes, and the next age of Earth. We greatly appreciate your support. If you are newer here, go watch the 12,000-year disaster cycle playlist on our channel homepage or at the link in the description box right below the video. We've got wind maps and shots of our star to close. Subscribe and we'll do this all again tomorrow. Right here, but right now at 6 a.m. in the new Valley of the Sun. Eyes open. No fear. Be safe, everyone. Be safe, everyone. Fuck yeah. Remember... To subscribe to Suspicious Observers on YouTube. Get caught up on all the information that Mr. Ben has. It's definitely worth knowing. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yo, Dingleberry. Hey. Butt Nugget. You're up. What am I up for? You know what the fuck you gotta do, buddy. Come on. Stop being dumb. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Shout out. Shout out. To the Good News Network. Okay, now get back in your cage. Quote of the day. Long live impudence. It's my guardian angel in this world. Im Im impudence? What? You know what? Let's look up what impudence means. We'll do this together. Because I don't know what that means. Let's go to Google.
rate, subscribe, and share. Yay! Define impudence. Here's the definition of impudence. The quality of being impudent, impertinence. His arrogance and impudence had offended many. So it's arrogance. I guess arrogance is is what impudent is. We will... Now we know. Now we know. Come on, you asshole. Back to the Good News Network. Long live impudence. It's my guardian angel in this world. He's saying that... He, he has to love himself because nobody else will. Then change your fucking ways. Who, wait a minute. We have to. Who said that though? Oh shit. That was Albert Einstein. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> well, he might have been being facetious, you know, uh, uh, sarcastic, but <laughs> he probably was. Long live impudence. Impudence. I, I don't even remember how to say it. It's my guardian angel in this world, Albert Einstein. Yeah, well, he 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 also was an intelligent man, so I'm sure his life wasn't easy. Just because I'm sure, damn. Now I get it. Now I fucking get it. Goddamn right. So be a better version of yourself. Smoke weed every day and make shit. Happen.